You're listening to This Naked Mind with Annie Grace. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to This Naked Mind podcast. I'm here with Lee. Hi, Lee. How are you? Hi, Annie. I'm fine. I'm fine. Thanks. So good to be here with you. So thank you so much. Yeah, for you too. On. Let's let's go all the way back to the beginning in your relationship with alcohol. Where did it start for you? Well, dear me, I mean, growing up in the the northeast of England, it, it's very much a drinking culture kind of society, and it, it's bred into you, man. So from thirteen, fourteen year old, it was uh, always kind of whoever's mum and dad was out, let's go and empty the drinks cabinet and the idea being just get up your nut, you know. And that's where it started and it just, it just didn't stop. So I, I went from kind of being a casual social drinker to drinking lots and lots and lots and more and more and more. And unbeknown to me, I was drinking to, to hide or to mask all health conditions so I was just self-medicating. I was just going down off me nut with what is possibly acceptable of dealing with things. Get drunk. Everybody does it. Do you know what I mean? So that's kind of where I was with alcohol. Yeah. And so was that like as soon as sort of, I don't know, high school, college, or was it? Yeah. About 13, 14, something like that. Okay. Yeah. 13, 14. And and everybody was doing it. So it was like just a very typical thing for the 13-year-olds to be getting drunk regularly. Yeah, yeah, it still is. I mean, yeah. you, you see them now wandering into the park with the bottles of uh, beer. You see them standing outside the corner shop asking people to go in and kind of buy them booze. Can you go in and get me some? Can you get us 12 cans of Stella? Can you get us three bottles of wine? So it's, it, it is very much kind of northeast of England culture. It's mm. just what kids do, you know, and still do, sadly. And is it sort of like just normalized by the adults too? Like the adults are like, oh yeah, I remember that kind of kind of fondly looking back at it. Or is it the adults are, are very much so until it gets to the point until it gets to the point where their kids off the map and then mm. all of a sudden it gets real. But mm. it, it does kind of get like jollied along, you know. Yeah, jollied along, that's a good word for it. All right, yeah, so you're it 13, is. 14 and you're you're just doing what everybody else is doing, but you have this underlying sort of mental health condition that you probably don't even know about at that point in time. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I finally got diagnosed some uh, 12 years ago after uh, another failed suicide attempt, which had seen me dead three times and brought back to life and in a coma for three weeks and that kind of thing. And it, it was after... After that, when I was kind of an enforced patient on a hospital ward, that I started to get some kind of treatment for my mental health. And that's where I got my diagnosis of bipolar type 2, which now will wrap its cycles with underlying chronic depression. So for the most part, I just didn't want to be in my head. All my life, I hadn't wanted to be in my head because I had this ongoing battle with myself that I just weren't comfortable with do you know what I mean so the easiest way to remedy that was just get off your nut and that's what I did and did it did it help did it provide really uh, yeah yes and no at the time you thought it did and then 
the the beer anxiety the day after and then the next two days making up the relationships that you broke up and apologizing to people and oh my god did i really do that and having to square up with your mates because you'd borrowed an extra 50 quid because you went nightclubbing all that kind of thing was like it just wasn't worth it man but for a short-term fix at the time every time when i out of work i was like right i've just got to go that's it i'm away i've just got to go and get off me nut and at the time i thought it was helping but obviously it wasn't in the long run now and and you just consciously think that i i actually remember that in my life i would i called it like get obliterated i was like i just intentionally just want to shut down and i'm like i just want to yeah like intentionally i was i was just trying to not be conscious still be conscious like not asleep but just not, you know, I obliviate. That was the word I used. I wanted to obliviate. Yeah. It's kind of, you, you want to download your hard drive, don't you? Do you know yeah. what I mean? You want to pull the wire out and just let it all go, man. And yeah. Whenever I went out, even if I was just going to the local for the quiz with me mom and me dad, it wasn't a couple of pints. I would be drinking till I got chucked out. I'd run out of money or the nightclub would stop serving me in the town. And then three or four hours later, I'm on my way to work and I'm just trying to kind of live through it again, you know? So it was, it was savage. Like it was savage. Mm. And then I hope you can understand me Northeast accent, by the way. I, I can understand it. I, I think it's great. I love it. Getting off your nut is getting really wasted for anybody who doesn't know that. I, I lived in, in London for a few periods of time over the years. So I got very familiar with lots of accents and I love it, but I think it's great. So, so this time, this, this very savage time of like, what, what was this feeling like inside of you? I mean, obviously you said multiple suicide attempts, so it, you're just going to a darker and darker place. Yeah. Just complete not a torment till it got to the, the point at which I just didn't want to be on this, this planet anymore. I was like, I can't take any more of this. Like, this is just, you know, I've had enough. And it, me as a person, I feel like I've got the right to flick the light switch, should I choose? And uh, that all, I, all I thought I was doing was just exercising my God-given right to exit from stage left at a point that I saw convenient, you know? And can you recall during those periods of time, like any of the dominating thoughts or pervasive thoughts that were in your in your mind? Like what was the voice saying? Just uh, not wanting to be here at all. It was just... Uh, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to be here anymore. This is, I just want out. I want, I, I want the pain to stop, really. That, that was kind of the message I kept repeating to myself. I just want all of this pain to stop. And as a psychiatrist, it said to a, a good friend of mine that said, that said to her, do you really want this life to stop or do you just want this situation to stop? Ask yourself that every time. You get to the bridge and you're thinking of throwing yourself off. Think, do I really want my life to stop or do I just want this situation and this set of circumstances to kind of leave me alone? And then change your mindset, change your judgment and move on from that, you know? And those what those words were so wise, like, but obviously came too late for me because, yeah. Those are very wise words, very powerful, you know, to consider, to be yeah, able to yeah. this moment of just terror from the whole of life when they're so intertwined in that moment. Mm -hmm. And it, 
very much the I, I'm an engineer by trade. That's what I used to do. I was uh, Nissan's um, European electrical expert, so I was achieving very, very highly on a professional level. But that came at a price, and that price was just losing myself in alcohol night after night after night because the pressure of the job was just too much, man. And I couldn't, I just couldn't, couldn't take it, couldn't stand it. It was too much. So once the bit because at the point of a saying I was an engineer is because the way that this naked mind is written for me, it's all fact, it's all science based, and it puts a whole new perspective on alcohol, or at least it did for me. And once you explained the cognitive disson dissonance argument once i'd got that equation through my head i was like geez this makes so much sense it was just such a penny drop it wasn't a penny it was a pound coin drop moment it was like jesus that's why can't people see that why why can't people see that oh man how you work that out my lady is just unbelievable so powerful mm, there's just endless curiosity about the state of my own mind and I'm I'm endlessly curious really? about the state of other people's minds too. I'm so I'm so curious, and and you let me know if I get too intrusive with questions. But I'd love to understand. No, no. Bipolar, and you said bipolar too, with underlying depressed depressive disorder. Is that what you said the diagnosis was? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how how does that feel? The uh, one of the reasons why I used to drink to get off me not was because I wanted to throw myself in any way, shape or form into a manic episode because the state of mania is absolutely unreal. It's mm. uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not a shy bear I've tried plenty of drugs. Nothing at all compares cocaine, forget it. Nothing compares to bipolar mania. When you're up there, you are literally invincible. So... I used to use alcohol as a as a means to try and attain that, to get myself up to that level, to get myself manic. Because once I was manic, I could run through brick walls. Do you know? I mean, I got myself, I'd got myself manic for three years. I managed to do a master's degree, which should have been a five year degree. I was working full time. I had three young, I had two young kids, and I managed to do a master's degree by being manic for three years, by being completely off me nut for three years. I cut two years out just by not sleeping, just by being up there. But it... the come down, mm. when that when when that manic phase ends, dear me, the law is, it's not a law like it's it's lower than that. It's like kind of below ground level, you know, it's awful, horrible. And you can't, you can't access any hope. Like you can't even imagine that person. It's it's like being two different people at the same time. Oh, multiple different people, multiple, multiple different people. Yeah. In fact, he's he's a tip for you. I don't know if you look up a guy on the internet on YouTube, right? And you've got to look up Hi Ren, H I R E N, right? You watch that video of Hi Ren. He is he absolutely nails it, completely and utterly. Mm -hmm. So get that watched seriously and 
watching that video, you will sit back and you'll be like, people live with that? The answer is yes. Alcohol was my way out of that, you know? Wow. This neural basis of bipolar disorder by Hiren Yoda. Hiren had his many, many coins. I'm just going to find it. But bipolar's in there too. I'd love to... Hiren and the... The, the video that you want really is the one where he's been wheeled in a wheelchair into the center of a room that looks like it's like an asylum. There's a light flickering in the background. And oh, it's a music video. In okay. his, yeah, it's a music video. Yeah. And that. Okay. I'm going to, I'll link that. That guy, that guy is unreal. Wow. So he just articulates it so well, the experience. Oh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Wow. I don't know if you can hear the rain. I apologize for that. Oh, no, I can't hear it. I can't hear it at all. So so in your experience, when you got this diagnosis, what prompted that? What prompted you to, to seek help? Or And I mean, is it even it, mental health? It feels like I, I remember having a very early days podcast interview with, with a man who was from where you're from, that part of the UK. And he said, everyone in his life was of the opinion, you've got a body, punish it. This is your job as a man. And so like this, this idea of like mental health in that culture, I'm just curious, is it, is it changing? Is it becoming something that's talked about? And at what point was it like, wait, maybe there's something else going on here? Yeah. It, it, it uh, I mean, it, how it came to be that I got a diagnosis, like I'd said, I'd had an overdose. I'd been dead a couple of times. I was in intensive care for three weeks. I was in a coma for three weeks. I was a, So that's what led the shrinks to kind of come to me. And it was from that process that I got my diagnosis. But mental health as the topic is now very much becoming something that's on the table in the UK. Really? Now, I, I had to take early, health, early ill health retirement in 2019. Because the state of my mind, I hadn't been functioning for the best part of two years. And I'd been in bed and uh, I, I just wasn't functioning as a human being anymore. And when I left work, I, I kind of shared with everybody the reason why I was leaving by email. Uh, let everyone know that I was suffering from mental health problems. And I put some links into mind and other organizations. And, and that went down bittersweet. Some people who I thought at work who'd been colleagues for 28, 30 years, all of a sudden turned on me, man. They uh -huh. turned on me because to them, it was like, he's, he, he is the first guy coming in with a, the new bad back, mental mm -hmm. health. There you go. It's the new bad back. And that, that's what it was kind of taken as, to be honest. But to me, I, I'm thinking, no, 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 no. Really? I really hope you don't get affected by it, but it's certainly not just a new backpack. It's so much more than that, man. And I think one thing that COVID did, when COVID brought along all of the restrictions where you couldn't go out of the house, where you couldn't do this, you couldn't meet for a pint, you couldn't do all of those things that put restrictions around people and got people who'd never, ever felt in any form of mental torment previously, those shackles and those chains hunted them down. And some people that I thought were 
always like way above ever being mentally ill. He got brought down with it, man. And it, COVID did do mental health awareness a big, big favour, I think, which is a bit bizarre, but and a little bit off topic from where we are. Yeah. No, I think it's so important. And I mean, of course, like alcohol during COVID, I was frequently on television shows via Zoom, via Zoom, to talk about the increase that we were seeing in just enrollments for our even free alcohol experiment, how many people it was at first when it first shut down, it was like crickets. Like nobody wanted to be talking about their relationship with alcohol because it just felt like, look, we're just going to brush that under the rug. And at least if we have to be home, we're going to be home with our mom. And then as soon as a month or two of that, just no guardrails, right? Because that was one of the things that COVID did is, is if you're at home by yourself, and you're drinking, all of a sudden, there's no reason to wait to the end of the day to have a drink, right? There's no reason not to have three exactly. or four before noon. And so all those guardrails that were kind of keeping the monster at bay, so to speak, were gone. And very quickly, it turned into more enrollments than ever before, because people were like, whoa, this thing I was using to escape, it just isn't working. It's just not actually working. Yeah. And they didn't know how to get unstuck. And so, that, it was the going through COVID thing, the Zoom parties with your friends. Yeah. That's when really it got a hold of me. That's when I was going to the corner shop and you could get three bottles of red wine for a tenner, which is about $12. So you can probably guess the quality of the wine, but it was still 12.5% proof. So I was doing three bottles of wine a night while I was talking to my pals on Zoom. I was doing LCL Lager, which is 11%. So I'd have eight of those as my go-to before the kind of Zoom parties that were going on. Do you know what I mean? It was, and you, you kind of hit the nail on the head. The barriers were removed, weren't they? All of a sudden, you didn't have to be sober to drive to work at seven o'clock in the morning. That wasn't even a thing anymore. Wow. We have in the US, it's called Two Buck Chuck. $2 bottles of red wine, or maybe they have it in white wine too. I only drink the red, but same thing, $2, $2 a bottle. Oh man. Total crap. Years ago, that would have sent me, right, I want to go to America. <laughs> so in your journey, you you got this diagnosis 12 years ago, and I have yeah. to imagine to let go of, of the manic episodes as you've described it. Was it was it quite tragic or how, how did you manage that best drug being gone or were the lows so low that you had, I don't know, you you use your words. I thought, I wouldn't say I managed particularly well. Tick just followed talk mm-hmm. and the clock turned around to the point at which I would get drunk again and then rinse and repeat and go to work and try and live in this constant battle of your head trying to be in so many different places at once. It was like, I mean, the, the 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 wall of like kind of white noise, chaos inside the mind was just like unbelievable, man. It's just, imagine, you know, when your television goes off and it, you get, it goes all dead pixelated and there's dots all over the place. That was just what I was trying to look at life through. I was trying to look at life through that lens. That was just so, do you know what I mean? And then all of, all of a sudden, for no apparent reason, bush, mania would kick in. I'd have flashes of inspiration, 
which were tremendous, to be honest, because they didn't have the normal confines and rules and boundaries around them that the normal thinkers have, you know what I mean? Which really helped me with things like songwriting and all that kind of stuff, you know, because I didn't have any barriers. I didn't have any. The, the rules were there ain't no rules. like. And when you're trying to express yourself freely through words or music, that's just like, well, do you know what I mean? When you haven't got the constraints of formality to go through, it's just unbelievable. Hence the reason why I just wanted to try and bring on more mania time after time. Yeah, it sounds like in that state of mind, you had no fear. No, no, no. I did. Gosh. I mean, stupid things. I went out I went out on a Friday night. I met my friend at half past six on a Friday night before we'd even had a pint, right? I'd bought his wife's takeaway coffee, right? So it just came over as, uh, right, that's a good idea. I'll buy it for the family. I'll do, set a family business up. I went home because I had a really good job at Nissan. I would get interest-free credit, like up to ridiculous limits. So I just hopped myself up interest-free credit cards. By dinner time the following day, she had tens of thousands of pounds transferred into her bank. And on Monday... I had a set of keys for a business that I had no idea how to run. That's the kind of that. That's the kind of where mania takes you. Do you know so what I mean? You literally went it, from it, uh, it, uh, to a friend to owning the business over yeah, a weekend. Uh, over a weekend, wow. the money was in our bank by twelve o'clock the following day. Wow! Just because you're like, this is the thing we're doing right now. Yeah, yeah. The same with motorbikes. Do you know what I mean? Just like interest-free credit cards, no problem. Buy on PayPal. Next thing you know, there's a bike being shipped up to your address. The, the the worrying thing of having no limits is there's no limits. So mm -hmm. whatever you can get yourself into, you will. And add on top of that, DMA, that was like a dangerous, dangerous combination. Exciting. Don't get me wrong. Very exciting. But what a ride. And were you were you medicated at all at this point? Like, you know, pharmaceutically medicated for? Yes. But the, the story of medication and psychiatrists has just gone kind of trying you may okay for a couple of months you just start to go your body gets used to it you go awry you go off the map you go back to see you shrink your shrink changes your meds you start again you have a month and a half of feeling absolutely useless can't get out of bed then the metal work a little bit and then do you know what I mean? So that's kind of that's kind of how it's been for the last twelve years, like rinse and repeat. Meds have got the place, but they're not the answer. Is that and through this naked mind and getting me head the cognitive dissonance equation kind of taught that really all of the power is in there. You just need to work out how to use it. The answers are there. You need to work out how to use it, how to think your way through life instead of getting off your nut through life. Do you know what I mean? And it, re it just brought it all home to us. It was just such a... And I can't see. So many of my friends, were all now our 50s, 60s now, and they've done very well for themselves. The company directors, they've got their own companies. Uh, they're very high up in whatever service they've gone into. And they still go and get off the nut on a Friday and a Saturday night. And I, I'm like, I'll be with them. I'll go with them. But I'm the guy that sends them the video at half past seven on a Monday morning of the way they presented lying on the floor covered in sick at two on a Sunday morning and say, is that how you want to see customers? Is that how you want to see your boss? See you, really? Because to the rest of the world, at two o'clock on a Sunday morning, my mate, that's what you looked like. That's you that was lying on the floor. 
that's you that's covered in sick. Get a grip, man. I, I, I just I can't understand how such clever, clever lads, they, they've missed it. The way that you sell it in this naked mind, the way you, you unwrap it and the way that you, you get your story across is so, so powerful. I'm like, please, just read the book. If you've got, seriously, just read that book and come back to me and then tell us, I don't know what I'm talking about, right? But they're all in denial. They're all in denial. It's so instilled in the, the drinking culture of the north of England is so inbred. They just can't see the wood for the trees, man. They don't want to see the wood for the trees. You know what I mean? It's sad. But I've had, I have had good friends of mine hang me up on the offer of the book. And in particular, who really, really stood with our mental health and her alterigo. She she was she's in her late forties now, and she got a job for the first time in her life, because with the help of this naked mind, she got herself off alcohol. She got herself straight. She got a mind in a place where it had never ever been before, and she she got herself a job. And now she suffers terribly with mental health problems, but she puts out a good use because she's now a peer support worker, working in a hospital with patients with severe mental health problems and like wow that is like i just take my hat off to janine and think wow you're an absolute star see all the good that's happened from you not drinking and that was just a, ch a chance conversation at work we're out the weekend you have a good weekend lee oh i did sober one another sober one what do you mean a sober one oh i haven't drunk now for about three weeks Get away. No one could believe. I was the consummate pisshead, pardon my French, right? Nobody, nobody can believe that me, of all people, has packed the bear in. And they're all waiting for me to fall off the horse. They're waiting. I can see them lining up just to laugh and point. It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen, guys. Look elsewhere for your entertainment. It ain't coming from the big fat ball man. Wow. Oh, it's such a, gosh, it's such a cool story. And how did you find the book? The story went something like this. I'd been out for my birthday and it was 1184 days ago. That's how many days I'm sober. So it was the 22nd of July. I'd gone out for my birthday with a good friend of mine who I think a lot of. He's a bright lad and he's he's a good kid. like. And I don't see him that often, to be honest. We're in the last pub. And he said, do you know in the last three pubs, you've drank three to my one? So my stock reply was, well, it's not my fault you're a shit drinker, is it? Do you know what I mean? He said, no, 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 you're not getting this, layman. He said, right, last pub, you were drinking that scrumpy. What was that, 12%? Yeah. And then the real ales? Yeah. What were they, 7 8%? Mm, probably, yeah. Something like that. I'm drinking Mickey Mouse Foster's 3.5%. You want to have a think about how much alcohol you're putting away, mate. And I, because he's a good mate, and I think a lot of him, I like a couple of days later, I was internet scrolling, kind of couldn't get to sleep two o'clock in the morning, as you do, playing about on YouTube. And I, I came across that beautiful face that's staring back at me now. And I was like, wow, she talks a lot of sense. Right, I'm going to have a go at this. So the following day, I wakes up to a, an email in my box. Congratulations, you've enrolled on the 
the the alcohol experiment 30 days without and i was like oh what did i sign up there last night oh my god so then i kind of right hokey talk go with it go with it so i kind of stuck with it but every day those emails the video clips where you're talking to a dietitian, psychiatrist, psychologist, a GP, where you were talking to people who were talking such sense. It was like penny drop after penny drop. And it was like, wow, this lady really, really has gone to town on this. She's worked her magic. like. And at the end of the 30 days, I just wanted to say how far I could go. I wanted to say how long I could make it last. And the more I thought about it, the more... The cognitive dissonance equation kind of became hard and fast in my DNA. And that was my kind of, I ain't stepping over that line anymore, man. No way. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how it happened. I'm still here. 1184 days later with a cup of coffee. Mm, I love that. That's amazing. And you said when we got on in your shed, in your back garden, hiding from seven grandkids. Is that right? Yeah, seven kids in the house at the moment. I don't know how many is there now, but there's worse problems in the world to have than seven grandkids. That's, but trust me, it. seven mm. at once is just like, oh, man. Because the ages are from five to 11. So what keeps a five-year-old happy ain't keeping a seven-year-old happy, certainly not keeping a nine-year-old happy. And the 11, by the time they reach 11, they just don't want to know, do they? That's it. You just, you haven't got the cool badge anymore. You're just out of here. So it's like, yeah. Well, I just I just can't help but thinking what an important influence you're going to be on on their lives in this way, just by just by having made this shift for yourself. You know, just you talk about breaking generational patterns. And of course, not everybody is going to it 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 will it won't be perfect, but I can't I can't imagine what a big difference it's really going to make. I um I, I really, really hope so. And I hope they can kind of see me as a role model and someone to follow, you know. I, I say that as my my kind of, my purpose. Uh, since when I had to take my early health retirement because I was bust in 2019, I started work for Sunderland University and it was my CPN that got me the job uh, for, for Sunderland University and it was working as a practice patient, yeah, for the med school students to practice on. And that was absolutely tremendous. Like, I love that. And because I was, like, getting out of the house and going to do something for once, I kind of got myself into what's called a recovery college. And the recovery college ran a whole load of different courses to try and get people back on the horse who kind of lost the way. And after a couple of years of doing the courses, I decided, you know what, I need to put a little bit back. And music's very much my passion. So now for the Recovery College, I run music courses which help people who've had their own kind of mental tra traumas that they've gone through or people who's got learning disabilities or people who's just had a, a difficult life. And I, I feel like I put my lens and my experience to good use by helping people as they're going through their rough patch, you know. And it's ah, that is so rewarding, man. It's voluntary. You couldn't pay me to do it because it, my students don't walk out of there on a Thursday. They fly, man. Every one of them is flying. And it's my whole perspective on life has changed so much. Since the alcohol's gone, the bad habits have gone, the traits that kind of 
on the downside. And I, I just see myself as kind of wanting to help others, you know. And if I can if I can help others by keeping them away from the alcohol as well, wow, that's a big, big win. Massive win. That's just amazing. So cool. This has been great. Like so, so insightful. I, I so appreciate you being so candid with your your story and your journey because yeah, it's it's amazing. And from a from a mental health perspective, cutting out the alcohol sounds like, and you tell me, but it sounds like it's been really pivotal in managing the diagnosis. It has in as much as I don't have the following day regrets. I don't have the financial problems it was bringing me. It does kind of leave me a little bit like I don't have that instant download, whereas mm -hmm. three bottles of wet red in half an hour would kind of, that'd be a quick fix, man. Well, for 20 minutes at least. Do you know what I mean? So, but I, to be honest, I so much will take the negatives because the positives far outweigh them, like far outweigh them. There's a, in Mark Manson's book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Leap, he says that there's something called Disappointment Panda, which is basically like coming into your life and imagine a panda knocking on your door and saying, hey, I have, I have disappointing news. And what this panda says is that life is problems and we just have to choose the problems. And so if we just get our head around that mind frame, like what problem are we going to choose and just make an effort to, you know, move our life toward higher and higher quality problems, instead of living under the disillusion that you can find or have, wow. a problem, right? And so you're like saying, I'm, I'm going to choose the problem of, yeah, I don't get that download. I can't go get totally blasted. But also that means that I'm not choosing the problem of buying a business in a weekend and sending away for, for motorcycles and, you know, creating destruction in my own life. And so it's, it's, it's yeah. really what I think is just to decide which problems do you want and understand that it's life is never meant to be without problems. I think, I think advertisers feed us that lie in, in order to make us buy things by saying this will solve all the problems, but that's oh, yeah. a lie. Very much. And you believe it, don't you? You believe it because you want to believe it, really. Yeah. It, who doesn't want to drink? You know, who doesn't want to drink? Mm, so, so interesting. Well, Lee, this has been just amazing. So let me let me ask you the question that I ask at the end of these, which is if you were going to go back in time to when, you know, things were just, you said, lower than underground and tell yourself about what your life is is like now with the the good problem of the seven grandkids and being hiding in the shed, what would you say about what life is like now? I couldn't imagine kind of how much I could have achieved. It's uh, I, Yes, I have achieved a lot, but I think really I could have done so much more. I could have been so much better. I could have been a much better father. I could have been there for my family more. I could have, do you know what I mean? I, I could have been a better man, a better person. If I, if only, like, it should be part of the national curriculum, like, because schools, seriously, what they teach you in academia is one thing. But some of the most grounded kids I know are from home schools where the parents, like, take them out and they, they, they learn life as an education rather than just the academia as an education. And I think learning about pitfalls of drinks and drugs it should be tackled earlier 
it should really be tackled earlier. Because when I was a kid, I didn't even know you had a choice about whether to get off your nut or not. It was just like the done thing. And because the flow was going in that direction, you just had to do it, man. But I wasn't aware that I, I, there was a choice to make. Society pushed me and I went. And if there was a, if there was a flip side to society doing that, education being, now listen, you don't want to do this cause and giving you all the negatives, but if you do want to do it, there you go, that's what you're going to get. Then maybe I, I think education at a much younger age need to be instilled the the whole drinking culture thing it's so ingrained in society especially in my part of the country in my part of the world it, it it needs it needs wheeling out somehow i don't know how to do it but it needs doing yeah i don't i don't see drink as any better a, a drug than all the nasties your cracks and your heroines and because the girl who posts on facebook over the moon because she's had five bottles of Prosecco in a weekend, has done it for the same reason as the guy sat in a one-bedroom squat with a needle hanging out his arm because he ain't happy up there. And the thing that through that medium, you're going to get removed from that. One's socially acceptable and the other one's dirty, down, disgusting. Mm -hmm. But fundamentally, for me, there ain't no difference there. There ain't no difference, kid. It's exactly the same. Yeah, so true. Well said. Well, thank you so much, Lee. This has just been a really fascinating and insightful and way to spend you know 45 minutes I've, I've really enjoyed getting to know you and getting to know your story thank you so much for coming on. i just can't believe i've met you oh man absolutely it's just like get in massive such a big day for me man really i was so nervous well i really enjoyed it i really am glad we got to connect in this way it's thank just you a, thank you thank you my dear you've changed my life Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you're ready to see how This Naked Mind can help you on your personal health and wellness journey and want to learn more, go to thisnakedmindpodcast.com to learn what your next best step is. Again, that's thisnakedmindpodcast.com. We have all of our free resources, programs, social links, and more available for you there. Plus, if you have your own naked life story to share, you can submit it there as well. Until next week, stay curious. Stay curious.